you have to compliments when, yeah, he had me thrown off. I didn't see it coming. So, well, welcome. Uh, will you join me in a word of prayer? Father God, it's good to be able to be here this morning in your house to be able to worship. It's wonderful to be able to see children dedicated to the Lord and that we as a church congregation are committed to that, Lord, and uh, we're thankful for that effort, Lord, of what we do inside these church walls, Lord, but we're also thankful for the effort and work that our church does beyond our church walls, Lord, thinking from this past week as we had North Star here and just the partnership we have with them and the work they do here in this community, in this county, Lord, as well as the praises that we had of that we were able to purchase a backhoe for the DR and just for the work that they're going to be able to do down there to continue the efforts of advancing the gospel, Lord, as they minister to people and to families, Lord, as well as we want to return praise and thanks for the generous donation from our people as they gave towards Bibles for Malawi, Lord, and the work that Jim Robertson is doing as he's on the ground there now and the opportunity as over 4,000 Bibles can be handed out and, and given to people in their own native language, Lord, and they can read that and that they can be able to be growing spiritually. And also, Lord, if they don't know you, they can come to know and follow your son, Jesus, Lord. So we're thankful for that work as well as the tracts that will be handed out to people, Lord, that Jim has and the opportunity that he has to meet with pastors and what it looks like to be able to do ministry and being able to be effective to do kingdom work, Lord. So we just commit that to you, be with him, and just allow this to be a great opportunity and effort, Lord, for uh, people coming together to work towards the good of the partnership in the gospel, Lord. We also wanna lift up and pray for Beth Grimm, one of the missionaries of GCC, Lord, that's gonna be leaving this week for Africa as she does work over there with families and being able to travel throughout the country to five cities, Lord, and being there through June, I pray that you would sustain her, be with her, grant her safety as she travels and as she deals with the various weather and the climates there in the different parts of the country she'll be traveling in and uh, just grant her opportunities to complete and do the work that she, as she ministers to missionary families and uh, families that she works with as well as Rift Valley Academy, Lord. And so be with that work and uh, bless her in that, Lord. We also wanna lift up and pray for the needs of our church, Lord, as people gather here each week, whether in person, online, or whether they're at home and they can't be here, Lord. We know that we have needs, that people have struggles, Lord, and we wanna put those before you, Lord, knowing that you care about each one of us, where we're at, what's going on, and what our immediate needs are, Lord. I pray that for those needs that you would meet them, Lord, knowing that we cannot come up with those answers and that we cannot be able to do things, Lord, that need to be accomplished, but we know the one who does, Lord, and that is you. And so we commit that to you. Allow us as a church to be able to walk and to care for people as they go through whatever um, issues or struggles that may be going on in their life, Lord, that we can be your hands and feet, Lord. And so we just commit that to you. We pray as we gather and we worship here today, Lord, and we learn about your glory and how great you are, Lord. 
Um, it helps us better understand who we are and how we pale in comparison to you and your great glory, Lord, but yet at that same token, you are great, but yet at the same time, you want to have a relationship with us. You want to know us. And Lord, we are thankful for that. We're thankful despite who we are that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die in place of us and our sins, Lord, that Jesus paid that penalty, Lord. And so we are eternally grateful for that and for the hope, the hope that that gives us both here today and also for eternity, Lord. Be with Pastor Mike as he brings your word. Allow the Holy Spirit just to be working in and through him, Lord, and as well as um, for us, Lord, as we sit and we hear this message, Lord, that there would be transformation that's only done through the power of the Holy Spirit, and Lord, that you would grow us in areas where we need to grow, and we would just be attentive to the work of your Spirit, Lord. And so we commit this service to you, and may you receive honor and glory through everything that's said and done. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Scripture reading this weekend is Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 to 23. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will pro proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Thank you very much, Pastor Jarrett. In July 2010, Paul Crowther, professor of astrophysics at the University of Sheffield in England announced that he and his research team had discovered a star that they described then as the brightest star ever discovered in the universe. Not even a welder's helmet would help you face the light from this giant. The mass of the star itself is 265 times greater than the mass of our sun. But that's nothing when you consider that the brightness of this star is 10 million times greater than the brightness of our sun. Think about that. This star, which is currently named R136A1, is not twice as bright as our sun, and that itself would be overwhelming. It is not 10 times as bright, 100 times as bright, 1,000 times as bright, a million times. It is 10 million times brighter than our sun. Now, when you consider that, 
that is unfathomable to our minds. It is overwhelming to our eyes. And when you think about this star, it gives you a sense of what the glory of God must be like. When you consider what the scripture says, that God alone lives in unapproachable light whom no one has seen or can see. This weekend, we are concluding a rather lengthy series of sermons entitled God, knowing, getting to know him better. And it's been a rich series for the preachers as we have dug deep into the scriptures to teach the attributes of God. And I, I know that, that God has been using it in the hearts and lives of our congregation as well. The very last attribute that we're going to study today is the attribute of the glory of God. The glory of God is a very prominent theme in scripture. In fact, it occurs about 350 times throughout the scriptures. But it is a difficult attribute to fully define. It's actually so big that it's almost unfathomable to the limitations of our human mind. For that reason, we can only hope to gain a glimpse of the glory of God today, but I'm convinced that when you gain that glimpse, it will be enough to overflow your soul. When you realize who God is and what his glory is all about. So, what is God's glory? To answer that question, we're going to go back into the Old Testament. And if you want to read the entire story, start at about mm, Exodus 32 and read through the end of Exodus 34. Today, we're going to give you a kind of overview of the story that occurs. And it's a story of about, about a man named Moses and his relationship to the one true and living God as he is attempting to lead a rather stubborn people called the people of Israel. Now, many people know the beginning of this story. Moses leads the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. They cross the Red Sea to freedom. For the first three months after their freedom, they move slowly north until they come in the desert of Sinai to the base of Mount Sinai. And once they get to the base of Mount Sinai, there is a cloud that covers the peak of Mount Sinai, and God issues an invitation, a personal invitation to Moses to come to the peak of Mount Sinai, the pinnacle of this mountain, and to have conversation with him. Now, can you imagine that kind of invitation? God personally asking you to come and meet him for conversation. And Moses responds. The conversation isn't one hour, it isn't one day, it's 40 days and 40 nights. And it's during those 40 days and 40 nights that God gives Moses detailed instructions for leading the people of Israel. And this is what the word of God says in Exodus 31. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of testimony, the tablets of stone inscribed by the very finger of God. You know what those tablets are? The Ten Commandments of God. Imagine that. There is Moses on the pinnacle of Mount Sinai. He is in conversation with the one true and living God, and God brings out not a pen, not a pencil, not a sharpie, but his finger. And with his finger inscribes on two stone tablets what we know as the Ten Commandments. For Moses, these 40 days must have been an awesome experience in the presence of the one and only living God. But remember who he left on the floor of the desert of Sinai, a very large group of people called Israel. And those 40 days and nights were anything but awesome for them. They became very, very frustrated. 
very irritated. Their patience was wearing thin. Now, Moses had left his brother Aaron in charge of them in his absence. And so it was to Aaron that these stubborn and frustrated Israelites came to complain. They had waited long enough, they said, for this God to show up and be faithful in leading us as he promised to do so. If this God wasn't going to do it, they would find their own God who would lead them. And so to Aaron, they cried out, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Now, you would think that Aaron, a faithful brother, would resist this request, but he did not. Whether he feared their response or whether he was giving in to his own weariness, it appears that he actually immediately complied with their request. The Bible tells us that he collected gold earrings from all the men and women that he melted down those earrings and then fashioned that gold into a large golden calf. Bible tells us that it was lifted up on a pedestal and Aaron then built, built an altar in front of that golden calf. And after he had done that, he announced a festival for the next day complete with burnt offerings and all kinds of drunken revelry among the people. Looking at the golden calf, the Bible tells us the people said to each other and said to the calf, this is our God. O oh Lord, this is our God, O oh Israel. This is our God. And there was someone who heard their words. He heard every word. And it was the one true and living God, seated on his throne in heaven. The Bible tells us that as he was there on the pinnacle of Sinai with Moses, he turned to Moses after hearing every blasphemous praise from the mouths of his people, and he told Moses what he was hearing. In righteous anger, God was ready to destroy the rebellious nation, but Moses, to his credit, pled for God's mercy on his people. And the Bible says that God heard Moses' plea, that God relented, that he did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened, that they deserved because they had turned away from him and they had created their own idol and they had worshipped that idol as if he were the true and living God and he was not. But God in his grace relented. What's interesting, however, is that Moses did not. Moses was hot with anger. And the Bible says that with the tablets in his hand, the tablets that God wrote on with his own finger, Moses left the presence of God and went down to the desert floor. And when he got there, he found the people of God shouting and dancing in a crazed way as they worshiped the golden calf. What happens next is sheer rage on the part of Moses. The fiery temper of Moses is unleashed on the rebellion of God's people. He takes those tablets, he throws them to the ground, the very tablets that God wrote on with his own finger, and they're smashed. He then tears down the golden calf. He grinds it into powder. He spreads the gold powder across the water supply of the Israelites, and he forces them to drink 
the residual effects of their idol. And then he has a what were you thinking conversation with Aaron. Now in that conversation, Aaron opts to take the victim's role. I've condensed it a bit for you, but this is essentially what he said. Well, you know, Moses, how prone these people are to evil. What was I to do? They wanted a god, and I collected their gold jewelry, threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Out came this calf. Really? That's what you did? You threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Yep, that's exactly what I did. What follows in the Bible is a severe judgment on an even more severe sin, and the people of God needed to learn a powerful and pointed lesson about the tragedy of rebellion against God, about the tragedy of idolatry, and about the necessity of obedience. But what I want us to think about today, what I want you to just try to wrap your mind and heart around, can you imagine the emotional place where Moses finds himself? Just think about this. His people whom he has been commissioned to lead. And look at how they're behaving. His people. His brother. Check me on this. Do you think it's too much of a stretch for me to say that Moses was probably disappointed with Aaron? What do you think? Yeah. His brother. What were you thinking, brother? And, and, and our God... Our God who has done all this for us, how could you people do this to our God? Can you imagine the emotional state of Moses? Outside the camp where God's people were staying, Moses had pitched a tent called the Tent of Meeting. It was actually a tent where Moses would go and have conversation with God. The Bible says that every time Moses would go into that tent to have a conversation with God, a pillar of cloud would come and stand in the front of the entrance to the tent so that the people of God would know that God and Moses were conversing together. And and whenever they saw the pillar of cloud, they would stand and they would worship. The scripture that Pastor Jarrett read this morning was one of those occasions, one of those conversations where Moses was called into the tent and was having conversation with God. But what you need to understand is that at this point in time, it is a very personal and thoughtful conversation. The golden calf was the end of Moses' rope. How many of you have ever in your life gotten to the end of your rope? You know what I mean? You're tired, you're weary, you're worn out, you're frustrated, maybe you're irritated, Whatever it is, you're at the end of your rope. You are at a place in life where you really don't know what to do next and you're too tired to even go there. And that's where Moses finds himself. So what does he do? He has an honest talk with God. First of all, he asks God for his help. Listen to verse 12. You've been telling me, God, Lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Secondly, he asked God for some more information. Would you, verse 13, please teach me your ways. 
Thirdly, he asked God for some assurances. Look at verse 16. How will anyone know that you are pleased unless you go with me? Would you please give me that assurance? And finally, in verse 18, Moses makes this unusual request. It's a request that, that's really a turning point in his life and his relationship with God. And look at it. In verse 18, he simply turns to God and he says to God, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. I know it's not at all caps, but let's do it anyway. Now show me your glory. One more time. Now show me your glory. What in the world is glory? Well, in the Old Testament language of Hebrew, it's the word kavod. In the New Testament language of Greek, it's the word doxa. And the truth of the matter is, the very word for glory in the Bible is hard to define. It's so big, it's so overwhelming. It means splendor, it means majesty, it means greatness, it means worthiness. And so when it refers to God, it is God revealing himself to us. It is God making his invisible attributes visible to us. I love how Pastor John Piper says, it is God going public. That's what glory is. It is God going public in all of his majesty, all of his splendor, all of his greatness, all of his worthiness. Now, we often associate glory with physical phenomenon. And so when we talk about God's glory, we say, oh, did you see that sunset last night? No one has sunsets like Lancaster County. I have heard that so often. And it's true, isn't it? Right? All the Lancaster Countyans said, well, there aren't many Lancaster Countyans here today, but anyway. <laughs> okay, all the York Countyans are offended now, but anyway. Oh, the glory of that sunset. The glory of a rainbow, the glory of the fall colors. Oh my goodness, the thunder and the lightning, that's the glory of God that's being revealed. And there's truth in that matter. The physical phenomenon of life does reveal the glory of God. After all, Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. But that's not what Moses was after. God's glory has an infinite number of expressions in our lives. Some of them are powerful declarations in the heavens and on the earth. But others are equally powerful and very personal. When Moses cried out to God and said, God, now show me your glory, he was asking for something else, something different, something personal, something more than a physical phenomenon. Where he was in life, the last thing he needed was thunder. The last thing he needed was lightning. The last thing he needed was some big, loud demonstration of God's power. What he needed was something to calm his fears, to soothe his soul, to restore his faith. What he needed was for a demonstration of God's glory to comfort him in a place of brokenness. That's what he was asking when he said, now show me your glory. Moses was tired and he was weary and he needed to know that he was not alone, that God was with him and that God has this under his control. Show me your glory was a very tired and weary Moses asking for a very kind and loving demonstration of God's care and compassion and goodness. 
And what is the glory that God then revealed to Moses? Look, if you would. In response to Moses' humble request, now show me your glory, God responded. It's amazing. Verse 19, with these words. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. God, show me your glory. And what does God say in response? Here's my goodness. No, God, I want your glory. And God says, yes, and here's my goodness. One preacher has written in his commentary that the most glorious thing about God is in his power or majesty or strength, but it's how good he is. It's how good he is. Sometimes in our lives, when we are broken, when we are tired, when we are worn out, when people around us have disappointed us, when circumstances are not as we had hoped they would be, when the challenges seem to be overwhelming to us, what we need above everything else is a fresh revelation of the goodness of God, a reminder that he is in control, that he loves us, that he cares for us, and frankly, that God's got this, no matter what this may be, in our lives. God graciously did that for Moses. The word of God says in Exodus chapter 34 that God issued a second invitation to Moses. He invited him to join him yet again on Mount Sinai. This time he asked Moses to bring the tablets with him. After all, Moses broke the first ones, so Moses has to bring the second ones along. When Moses gets up to Mount Sinai, God has planned 40 days and 40 nights of instruction and teaching and the rewriting of the Ten Commandments, but before he does anything else, God reveals himself to Moses, and he reveals his glory to him. In Exodus chapter 34, the word of God says, then the Lord came down in the cloud, stood there with Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and to the fourth generation. Moses, you want to see my glory? Here I am. In all of my glory, every attribute that I am, that I have, that I possess, it is for you. My goodness, my mercy, my compassion, my kindness, my forgiveness, even my justice, I reveal to you, Moses. And Moses' response is incredible. The word of God says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 8, that Moses bowed to the ground and at once he worshiped. The very man of God, worn out, tired, broken, irritated, frustrated, even with God, where are you, God? Why aren't you showing up and helping me? Now show me your glory. And in an amazing way, God revealed himself in all of his glory. 
Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been in a place in your life where you are literally faced with the challenges of life such that you are weary and tired, broken, maybe irritated with people around you? Can I go this far? Frustrated with God? Where are you? Where are you? I see the heads nodding. Where are you, God? Have you ever prayed, show me your glory? Earlier this week, a group of six pastors here in the county decided to form a prayer group. It's a beautiful thing because there is something happening right now in our county that transcends competitiveness among pastors and churches and that binds us together with a common desire to bring people to a saving knowledge of Christ and help them grow in the Lord. So Pastor Kevin Eshelman, pastor at Effort Community Church, sent an email to five of us and asked whether we would gather for prayer. And after we agreed to do that, he sent a follow-up email, and it came actually just after Easter. And he asked us in that email how our Easter celebrations were, and then he said this. I remember a number of years ago when Pastor Mike Sigmund at Grace Community Church completely lost his voice at Easter. I'm sure he was praising the Lord that he could preach the word this Easter. <laughs> some of you know that story and some of you don't. In 2017, I went through a bit of an illness and I coughed so much that unbeknownst to me, I damaged my vocal cords. And so early 2018, I was struggling to speak and struggling at times in my preaching ministry. And so I went to an ENT and I was referred to a speech therapist and I went through months of speech therapy to try to correct the problem that they assumed was happening with my vocal cords until Easter of 2018. Will, you remember it very well. Second service of the Saturday night, in the middle of the sermon, I lost my voice. Now, one of the principal attributes of Mike Sigmund is stubbornness. It's probably high on the list. And um, whenever I'm very stubborn, my wife says Lester, and that's the name of my grandfather, and that means that I know that I had better straighten up because I am becoming more stubborn than I should be. And to be honest with you, throughout the entire time that I had problems with my vocal cord, I thought my name was Lester because she had to call me that so much. I pushed my way through that sermon, and unbeknownst to me, did further damage to my vocal cords. Went home that night, Jenny said, you cannot preach tomorrow morning. I said, absolutely, I'm going to preach. She said, you can't, you don't have a voice. I'll stay up all night and I'll make sure my voice is ready. I finally conceded that I would call Will and that Will would preach the 745 service because after all, I can do whatever is necessary tonight to get my voice ready. And I did, and did further damage to my voice. Until some of you remember two weeks later in an eight o'clock service, about one third of the way into a sermon, it was as if somebody turned the switch off on the wall and I completely lost my voice. Friends, you have to imagine the emotional state that I was in at this point. 
I'm a preacher by trade. It's what I do. I love to preach. Second only to loving to preach is talking to people. I love to talk to people. You might remember that we weren't even a day and a half into COVID that I had to go to get kale at Weiss just so I could talk to people. That's just the way I am. It was devastating to me. And I went to Johns Hopkins, and at Johns Hopkins, they told me that they would do what they could for me, but most likely I would need to have vocal cord surgery. And I said, oh my goodness, is that successful? And they said, for the most part, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> for the most part. Well, you know the rest of the story. <laughs> I'm talking. I had surgery. I had to stay silent for seven full days. That replaced one of the seven miracles of the modern world, that that actually happened. <laughs> I opened my mouth on day number eight, and my voice sounded just like that. And God was faithful. But here's what I need you to understand. In the middle of all of that, I became very frustrated with God. Very frustrated. I became tired and weary, and I was angry, and I didn't want to hear that I should be quiet, or I should do this, or I should do that. I was at the end of my rope. And on a particular Sunday morning, when we were in relocation, meeting for worship over at Lancaster Mennonite because we were under construction here, when I had to give the privilege of preaching to a whole variety of preachers for many, many months, I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to go to church. I said to Jenny, I don't think I'm going to go. She said, you have to go. You're the pastor. I said, I can't preach. So you know what I did? I went to the balcony of Langstrom Mennonite. The balcony. Nobody was in the balcony. It was dark. I sat down, and in my puddle of self-pity, I began to talk to God about how horrible this situation is. And it was as if God convicted me, what's wrong with you? Don't you trust me? About two years before, I had preached through Exodus, and I remembered this prayer. And so in the balcony of Langstrom Mennonite, I mustered this. God, go ahead. Show me your glory. And oh my goodness. I was overwhelmed by the presence of God and the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the compassion of God. I sat in that balcony and I, I felt as if I was on the pinnacle of Mount Sinai. It was just God and me and I saw him pass before me and all I could sense in my spirit is that I can trust you no matter what may happen 
because you are incredibly good. There is no one who is like you. The most glorious thing about you, God, is your goodness. And every fear I had dissipated. The brokenness of my soul felt like it was healed in that moment. I walked out of there confident that no matter what would happen, this was May, that God has this and I simply need to trust him. May, June, July, August, September, until I could preach again, there was a settled peace in my heart. There was a joy within me. I found it to be absolutely life-giving to listen to our preachers preach the word of God. I was, I was so grateful, although a little bit beside myself, when I found out that we actually grew during that time, I thought, well, there you go. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Humble me, Lord, to show whose church this really is. Are you there? Are some of you today at a place in your life where you are frankly literally worn out, tired and weary? I wasn't this bold in saying that last night because I wasn't sure, I don't know why, but man, since I've been through two services, I found out that a fair percentage of every service is there. You're facing challenges in life that frankly you're not sure how you're gonna face. There's a brokenness inside of you that the smile on your face on Sunday masks, but it's still there. Here's the prayer. Now show me your glory. I've got nothing else. I'm worn out. I'm tired. Show me your glory. And when you pray that prayer, oh, the most glorious thing about God is that he will shower you with his goodness. And he will carry you by his grace. You know that, don't you? You know that, Will. Because that's your testimony. Not many days after that stroke, in the middle of June, he showed up and he displayed his glory to you. And here you are today on your feet praising the Lord. The most glorious thing about God is his goodness. What about you? And if you don't need this message right now, you tuck it away. Because every one of us need his glory throughout our lives. Would you pray with me? In the quietness of this sanctuary, 
I want to give you a moment or two right now. Because there are some people here right now who need to make this prayer their personal prayer. Because of where you are in life. Because of what you're facing. Because of what others have done to you. Because of the way others have treated you or not treated you. You're at the end of that rope. You can continue to wallow in your pity. You can be angry. You can be bitter. But you don't want any of those things. Frankly, you want God to show up and to care for you. And he wants to do that. So I invite you in the quietness right now. Would you be willing to pray? Now show me your glory. glorious thing about you, God, is that you are a good God. Every one of us here to the person would say that while we do not always understand the circumstances of our lives and the details of those circumstances, as followers of Jesus, we trust you. We know that you are good and that you will care for us in the midst of whatever circumstances we face in life and lead us through. And whatever you give us in the display of your glory will be good because that's who you are. So now, Lord, show us your glory. Individually and as a church, we pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the church said, amen.